Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast, a sad Houston sports podcast, and joining me for the Texans postgame show, my co-host, Stephen Kerr, and I don't even know where to start, Stephen. I don't know where we start with this game. Where do you want to start? Well, you know, I'm trying to figure that out too, Robert. I don't know if we should start at just what, what happened to the Texans in this game. Should we start, you know, what happened to the Oilers in the Buffalo game? Should we start with what happened to the Oilers against these very Kansas City Chiefs the year after the Buffalo game? Should we start? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm almost about to uh, put together a letter that says something like, uh, Dear Houston football teams, please do not bi- build big leads because you apparently don't know how to handle them. You apparently don't know how to focus on a full 60 minutes of football. Signed, very frustrated Houston Texans fans. I, I you know, look, I, I understand. A, a, the Texans got off to such a fast start, which was a surprise in and of itself because they haven't done it all year long, except when, of course, you know, the the Titans game that didn't mean anything and A.J. McCarron did it. But a 24-0 lead early in the second quarter, while it's still a big lead to give up, the Chiefs still had plenty of time to mount a comeback, and boy, did they ever. You know, at one point, they, they scored touchdowns on seven straight possessions, and the Texans' defense just had no answer. I mean, so many mistakes by the Chiefs early. You thought, well, man, maybe this game will go just like the Titans-Ravens game did. But again, Robert, the, the Texans have just continued to show all season long that they don't know how to focus on a full 60 minutes of football, they, that they have just been consistently inconsistent throughout this whole season. And until they get to get that together, we're, we're going to see a lot more games like this in the future. That's all there is to it. Yeah, there there is so much places where you, there's so many places you could start this, but uh, let's start with Saturday because the Titans upset the Ravens and as a Texans fan and as a Houston sports fan, I just go, oh, they're they're setting us up. We could host the AFC Championship game. It's all on the table. All we got to do is figure out a way to beat the Chiefs. And then, you know, it it was all coming. All that momentum was coming forward. And I thought, oh, maybe they'll take a lead late in the Chiefs game. And then there'll be a two-minute drive. And the old Romeo Prevent defense will kill them or something like that. But then when they jump out to the 21 nothing lead, I mean, I got to be honest, I was getting a little bit giddy, but I did tweet out the time because I could I, I, I felt it. I said, you yeah. know, I'm giddy right now, but 35 to three. I've been through this. Let's let's hold your hold your horses a little bit on this thing. But I, I admit, like after the punt block, I, I screamed and I, I don't do that much anymore. Stephen, after that punt block, I was like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? Well, I was in disbelief, but kind of like you, Robert, I'm like, oh, there's way too much time in this game, way too much time. I mean, as as painful as this loss and, and slippage of a big lead is, I still say the Bills one is worse in 93 because it, it didn't really, you know, the, the Oilers had that 35 to lead going in the second half. They had that 35 to three lead. You know, this was much earlier and listen, the Chiefs are a very explosive offense. I mean, you showed just bam, bam, bam. How many, you know, there was a couple of possessions where it was maybe a minute and they had scored a couple of touchdowns. I think they scored two touchdowns within about three minutes. They are capable of doing this. So, 
yes, this this loss is is certainly up there in regard to how the Texans had this in hand and they let it slip away. But there was just too much time. I, I almost was just afraid to believe, even after the Titans won last night, as giddy as I was after that game, I thought, yeah, but this is almost too good to be true. The Texans have a chance to not only host the AFC championship game, but to host the former Houston team. I mean, it's it's almost it'd almost be like a movie script. And and yet when they got up twenty-four to nothing, I thought this is almost too good to be true. It's it's working out too well. And they're going to find a way to screw it up, and they did. And it just, yeah, there there are just so many things you can say, but then again, you don't know what to say after this. Yeah, people were saying on Twitter. I mean, I heard people saying on Twitter and 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 former, you know, Oilers fans say, well, you know, this is just as devastating, and blah blah blah. And, and look, look, let me explain something to you. Look, if if you didn't go through this and live it, and if you have forgotten. The Oilers' offense was prolific. The, the Texans' offense is not. The Chiefs' offense, to me, if you got a healthy Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, it's the best, it's the most talented offense in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, look, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Frank Reich was a backup quarterback. You were up 35 to 3, not in the first quarter. Midway through the third quarter, you were up 35 right. to three. The Oilers were a much more talented team all over the field than this Texans team is. Look, this game, everybody's going to focus on the offense because they do. And everybody's going to focus on Bill O'Brien because that's what Texans fans do. But let's just talk about the defense for a second, Stephen. This defense, you said it, seven straight drives where the Chiefs just went down the field like it was easy peasy and and that's the thing is if if you you were going to have to stop them and we can act like oh the Texans stopped them the first couple of times well let's go back and look Kelsey dropped a pass on third down that he doesn't drop on the first possession Robinson drops a pass on third down that would have been a first down on the second possession the one drive where they did stop him in, at any point, I think, was that huge hit that Justin Reed had on Tyreek Hill in the secondary, and it looked like they might have were going to knock Tyreek out of the game, and, and and he wasn't actually much of a factor, I guess. But it, it's this defense. We 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 got to talk about the defense here, Stephen. Yeah, we do, and you know there were several short field drives that the Chiefs mounted because of the Texans' mistakes. You know the the long kickoff return, the muffed punt. You know, things like that. But the defense gave up many long drives. There was an 85-yarder. There was a 90-yard drive at one point. There was, I believe, a 72-yard drive. So clearly the Texans defense had no answer, especially for Travis Kelsey. You know, Lonnie Johnson Jr., as great of a job as he did on Kelsey in that first game, and it looked like even in this game at, at the very beginning with, with Kelsey dropping a pass, Robinson I think he dropped three passes, I think I counted, throughout the game. Then he finally caught one. But they, they, clearly they had no answer for Kelsey. It was almost like T.Y. Hilton all over again with Lonnie Johnson versus Travis Kelsey. So you're absolutely right, and that's what I think makes it so frustrating. It, and then the Texans had no pass rush, no answer at all for Mahomes. He, he had way too much liberty to run. He was not forced into the pocket and, and forced to make mistakes, forced to hurry. It, it just... It, it was almost like the defense just had no answer whatsoever, regardless. Whatever the Chiefs tried, 
it, it's almost like a basketball player that can't miss from three-point range. Everything they throw up there just went in. Yeah, I want to go back because you kind of you zipped through it, the Lonnie Johnson thing, because that is, frankly, that was probably the biggest part of the whole uh, defense for the for the Texans. Okay, Lonnie Johnson, the first game against the Chiefs, played Travis Kelsey really well. Then in this game, he looked like a rookie. When he wasn't committing penalties, he was giving up big plays. He was not looking back for the football. He was holding him, you know, he, he somehow thinking that the the refs aren't going to see it. I don't know what the, you know, not just him, other players were doing it too. But look, Lonnie Johnson is a rookie and we knew he was a rookie. And the reason we got Tayshawn Gibson in the off season was because he could cover tack, uh, tight ends better. And the Texans, a long history of not covering tight ends. And when you look at what happened you had no other choice but to put Lonnie Johnson on it. And, and Tayshawn Gibson not being able to play in the postseason was a big deal. That's why Ty Matthew is a chief, because I think they didn't like him in coverage, especially against tight ends. And so they get Tayshawn Gibson, and then he can't play in this game, and Ty Matthew can, and there you go. Yeah, I think I counted. I, I was looking through my notes as you were talking, Robert. I, I think I counted at least three pass interference on, on Johnson against Kelsey and then Roby. Uh, he he had one on uh, Tyree Kill. I think it was um, on the the Chiefs' nine, ninth possession when they made it 41-24. So, yeah, it, it's just so crazy because the Chiefs made their share of mistakes in that first quarter and then part into the second. And then the Texans just unraveled after that, not only with, you know, the turnovers, but the, the many mistakes and the pass interference penalties that the defense made. And Lonnie Johnson definitely had a handful of those. Also, you, you, you talk about the Texans defense. You mentioned J.J. Uh, Watt and, and no pass rush. And uh, we talked last week. I thought J.J. Watt was going to play a lot more plays. Probably I figured maybe 80% of the plays, 90% of the plays. I don't know what you're saving him for. If you lose this game, the season's over with. Play J.J. Watt. I don't know if they don't feel like you know his wind is there, but even if he doesn't have wind, he's better than anything that you can put on the field. And I, and again, he didn't have a big game, but I would have liked to have seen more JJ Watt. Uh, when I look at the Texans defense, I also see, you know, the problem that we, we talked about at the beginning of the year, when you get rid of Jadavian Clowney, you don't have somebody that can really impact the game in, in a big situation in a playoff game. When you're, when the, the moment is getting bigger and bigger and Whitney merciless was, pretty much a non-factor. He, 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 he was a factor last week when JJ came in at home, but the Jadavian Clownies, th that kind of guy is the guy that can impact the game in the playoffs when you're on the road, when you need just physical talent, you need physical skill and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I go back to the fact that the Texans, they, they were a below average defense this year by all metrics. And you go up against the Chiefs and look, um, you got to give the Chiefs credit, and we knew twenty-four to nothing could be easily overcome. You know, with 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 this Chiefs team, I mean, they've like I said, they've got the best quarterback. You got to give them some credit, but the Texans, in the end, their defense isn't that good, and it's a problem. And we knew it all year, and at some point, it was going to bite you. And you don't win with bad defenses in the NFL. You don't win Super Bowls with bad defenses. So why why would we expect any different against the Chiefs team on the road against the Patrick Mahomes and all the weapons and, and they're pretty much healthy? Well, I think you summed it up nicely right there. The Texans defense has had question marks all year long, not just with the pass rush, but with the secondary. I mean, we've talked a lot about 
picking up players, uh, you know, like Vernon Hargraves and, and Gary and Conley, who both have made plays throughout the season. And, and even in the Bills game, they made some plays. But when you come up against an elite quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, this sort of thing is going to happen. And it just, I mean, as as devastating as it is, it, it's really hard. It, it doesn't surprise me at all. And as far as Watt, you know, he almost intercepted a pass near the goal line in the fourth quarter. That could have been a big game changer if he'd done that. He did knock it away. But other than that, he really wasn't a factor in the game. And therefore, neither was Whitney Merciless. And of course, he, you know, he just signed that extension. So the, the Texans definitely have a lot of question marks going into the offseason, especially regarding the defense, not just with the pass rush or the, the front seven, but in the secondary. I, you know, they, they still, you know, that was a big question mark at the beginning of the season. What are they going to do at cornerback? You know, and, and at the end of the day, with, now that the season's over, some of those question marks still remain if you're thinking of long term. Yeah, I want to get to big picture in a second, but I know there's a lot of people out there going, you guys are like 12 minutes into this or 13 minutes into this show, and, and you haven't mentioned the game-changing play of the entire first half and, and potentially the playoff game. In your opinion, what was the game-changing play? Because that, I think, is really debatable. Yeah, I'd say it's debatable. I mean, you could say that the Chiefs' first touchdown that they scored could be it when it was 24 to 7 with that big run by Hardman to the Texans 42. But, you know, I, I mean, that, that could have been something that the Texans certainly could have come down and, and answered, but they didn't. They went three and out. And then the fake punt, you know, so I think that's when really things started to turn around is when you had back-to-back situations where the Texans pretty much gave up a, a touchdown on a short field because of that big return. And then they went with this silly fake punt that I didn't even understand. We can get into that later. You know, they, they went three and out. It's like they were trying to force something to happen. I, to me, that's really when I think the game turned and the Chiefs felt like, oh, we've got the momentum and they just they just kept coming. I want to circle back to the fake putt for sure, but I had people arguing with me on Twitter that the game changed because they didn't go for it on fourth down. I thought that was the right move. You're talking about the fake the the fake punt? No, they didn't go for it on fourth down on fourth and one when they kicked the field goal. Oh, when they kicked the field goal. No, I thought that was the right move too. I mean, you you got to get the points. Uh, that's that's just what you do. No, I I didn't have any problem with, with that at all as much as I did the fake punt. Yeah, I mean, I, the, people tell me, oh, that, that's 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 where you screwed up. That's Bill O'Brien screwing up. You should have gone for it on fourth fourth and one. Look, you, you kick the field goal right there. If you if, if you get stopped on fourth down, which, by the way, it was fourth and one. They just got stopped last week by the Buffalo Bills defense at home uh, late in the game in, in an even bigger situation. So the, 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 the fact that it was going to be an automatic, you're going to get a first down there. No, we know the Texans. It's not automatic. But number two... You kick the field goal there because if you if you get stopped on fourth and one, if you take that chance and, and it screws up, then that's where you give the Chiefs momentum. That's a momentum changer right there. You kick the field goal and it's basically a four score game. Romo was going, it was three score, but you know, three score means you get three touchdowns and three two point conversions. That's really, really hard to do. That doesn't happen much in the NFL. It's it, it's really low percentage that you're it's a three score game. It's a four you just made it a four score game in the first quarter. The the momentum change was number one on the kickoff return. You got the crowd back because Stephen, they were dead. The crowd it was oh, like were. a morgue. They, 
Yeah, it, it certainly was. And I, I think even some fans were maybe not heading for the exits, but maybe they were going to the restroom or the concession stands or something. Because, But all of a sudden, when the Chiefs came back, they started to fill back up and started to make some noise. Yeah, the, when, it, when they made it 24-7, to 7, it certainly did get the crowd back into it. But I just feel like that second possession when the Texans went three and out when they could have answered, that's really when the tide started turning. And then it, everything just went wrong for the Texans from that point on, just like it did for the Chiefs in the first quarter. Yeah, and, and if you go back to what happened on that possession before the fake punt, Deshaun throws it into the ground at Fuller when he really has no pressure. It was a short short yardage situation. There, there wasn't really a pass rush. They were pushing Sharping back a little bit into Deshaun, but not really, and he just threw it into the ground instead of just taking an extra second. Maybe he could have you know, scrambled. I mean, Deshaun could scramble for four yards. That's no big deal. And then at that point, you go, you punt the ball and you still got a 24 to seven lead and it's the second quarter and you go from there. And if Bill O'Brien, the only mistake I thought Bill O'Brien made the whole day, the only major mistake I I didn't like, and I'll go to a minor mistake. That's kind of typical Bill O'Brien, but to me, it it wouldn't have mattered a whole lot, but late in the game, but you know, that, that fake punt right there, that's where you give them momentum back. Now, here's the difference. Here's what I think. You know, fake. I'm not against a fake punt, and I didn't think the game is over with at 24 nothing or 24 seven because this is the Chiefs. There was still tons of time to go in the game. The Texans' defense stinks. They have they've stunk all year, to be honest with you. And so uh, the fake punt, I got no issue with it if you're at midfield or you're in Chiefs territory. But when you fake punt in your own territory and you're trying to get four yards. And you're, and, and they took another thing. And Romo pointed this out, which was right. They took too darn long on the fake punt. They they did. They should have snapped it immediately. It gave the Chiefs time to to change. Uh, kind of everybody moved around, and so it gave them a chance to kind of re reconfigure everybody. And and that's where you lost it right there. I mean, that wasn't smart. I still think you know people are going to go. Oh well, that Bill O'Brien cost you the game because of that. Look, I mean, we just said it. They scored on seven straight possessions. Can your defense not step up once? Can you not let them go eight plays, 90 yards, seven plays, 85 yards, six plays, 77 yards, four plays, 72 yards? Can you do that one time once in, in like uh, like in, in five possessions? Just stop them or in eight possessions total, even though a couple times we said it, special teams, it was short yardage. So, yeah, I, I didn't like that decision. I thought it was a stupid decision. But the special team giveth, and they had done a lot of good things, and he's he's trusting Seeley at that point because you had blocked the punt, and 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 he had you know you had a and you, you got the fumble recovery, so he's like, well, Seeley's he's done me right at this point, so I can see it, I can see wanting to do it. I just didn't think, you know, I didn't think that was the right time to do it. No, it wasn't the right time to do it because what happened was you give the Chiefs the ball at the Texans thirty-three. And then, of course, the defense totally breaks down because that's when Johnson gets one of the P.I. uh, pass interferences on Kelsey, gets the ball to the five, you know, and then Kelsey gets the touchdown pass. Yeah, I I mean, a fake punt, it's it's not only where you do it, but when you do it. And I just didn't see when you're up by that much, why did you need to go for a fake punt? But I guess in hindsight, if you think about it, with the defense completely unraveling the whole rest of the afternoon, if the Texans had gone ahead and just punted, you know, it's very possible the Chiefs would have just roared down the field and scored anyway. So 
uh, you know, just considering the way the Texas deep, uh, defense play from that point on, I guess it's a moot point. But I, I just think that that was a real game changer because it set the Chiefs up deep in Texas territory. They only go 33 yards in just a few plays to score their next touchdown. And just as bad is, like, DeAndre Carter, it's time to wave him goodbye. He doesn't make plays. When he, when he gets, when the ball's kicked to him, whether it's a punt or a kickoff, my, my only thing is don't fumble the ball because I know you're not going to make a big play. I know you're not going to have a t- big return. We've seen you enough in Houston. You, you don't make big returns. You don't make big plays. But you do have a tendency to fumble the football. And at that moment right there, if I'm DeAndre Carter, get both hands on the football because even at 24 to 14, Stephen, the Texans put together a long drive right there and and you do that right before the half, and then maybe you can stop the Chiefs because they got to go the full length of the field, and you're up 31 to 14 going into halftime. It's a whole different ball game, and and you basically wanted this game to to be a possession game where you would limit the Chiefs' possessions like you did the first time you played them. And DeAndre Carter right there, I mean, that's it, it's just as terrible as the fake punt, if not worse. Yeah, there's never a good time for fumbling a kickoff, but I don't think it could have been a worse time than when he did because, yeah, you, basically the Chiefs get to within 24-21, and the Texans, as they were doing in the first quarter, driving the ball, eating up the clock, it's possible that they could have done it on that possession and if not put the game out of reach, certainly would have made the Chiefs a lot tougher to get back. So, yeah, I mean, Carter, he he's shown some flashes but he hasn't really shown you the consistency that you need. And that's, it's another, it's another hole in the Texans game, the return game, especially the kickoff return game that it seems to have been a hole for the Texans for several years. Now they just can't seem to find anybody who can make the great kickoff returns. And there's not a lot of guys around the league that are doing that, but you there's can't, not, no, there's not the, the fumbling. It's the fumbling. It's the fumbling. That's the stuff that makes me so angry. Yeah. It's the fumbling, but I, I don't mean return for a touchdown necessarily. You, you don't see the, the 90 or 100-yard kickoff returns as much as you used to. But I'm just talking about even getting them in decent field position. You know, get them at the 35, the 40, 45 every now and then to give your offense a shorter field to work with. That's that's kind of what I'm talking about regarding more consistency in the kickoff return game. Okay, uh, we, we've talked about the defense. The offense, uh, you needed a possession where you just kept the ball for a while. And a guy that doesn't get a lot of blame usually because he's the Texans, but maybe he's their best player over the last two or three years uh, be, when he's healthy. If, if I mean, it's either Deshaun or, or DeAndre, but I, DeAndre, look, I mean, right after you got the, 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 the fake punt by Justin Reed and he stopped and then you fumble the kickoff. Now the game's 24 to 21. So now what do you need? You, again, just one good possession and you're up by 10 before the half. DeAndre Hopkins drops the third down pass. That's how that drive ended. That's how that next drive ended. So, so that was a killer. And 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 you know, also Kaimi Fairbairn misses the fifty-one yard field goal, trying to I guess overkick it. Uh, I mean, it's cold there. I don't know if he could have kicked it that far, but you know, to me, it's like let your adrenaline get it to the, you know, get it to the uh, what is it called, the crossbar, get it that far, right. And and then then you know worry about that, but don't don't try to like I'm gonna try to kick it as it looked like he was just I'm gonna try to kick it as hard as I can, if the field goal something you needed something right there and DeAndre Hopkins 
you know, dropping a third down pass on one drive, Fairbairn missing the field goal, and, and with a great uh, throw and catch by Deshaun and DeAndre, you know, to set that whole thing up. Um, you know, those are that stuff that where you can stop the momentum. They were up 24 to nothing. This isn't like you can't just go, well, it's the fake punt or it's this. There, you have a lot of opportunities to stop the momentum. And DeAndre Carter and DeAndre Hopkins and Kaimi Fairburn, you could have stopped the momentum and you didn't do it. Yeah, I think what was frustrating toward the end of the first half that made one possession just so frustrating is that the Texans basically spent all their timeouts well before the first half. I mean, there was one point where Watson had to call timeout twice because they just weren't going to get the playoff in time. They would have had to delay a game. And then he spent the final timeout late in the first half on that possession where Fairbairn tried that field goal that was, what was it, a 51-yard attempt or something like that? No, that, as a fact, no, they. I don't think they had a timeout by the by that last drive they where didn't. Fairbairn well, no, they the didn't. Goal. That's because he spent them all and he had to spike the ball and then Fairbairn tried the field goal. And then, of course, Watson to Hopkins, back to Watson for that that crazy play that basically resulted in a loss. I, I mean, it was just everything just completely unraveled for a Texans offense that was really looking good in the first quarter. But just a, a number of bad decisions in that second quarter. And, and the you know, the crowd, I know, was a factor in some of that with having to spend the timeouts. They were getting loud, but, you know, and, and they would have had to delay a game penalty on a couple of those. But the, the Texans just a, a poor use of, of time. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You just said it, though, because the, the crowd plays a factor in a, in a road playoff game. Look, I, I've been to that stadium. It, I've said this on the show before. It's the loudest stadium I've been. I've been to college football stadiums with 100. I've been to Tennessee with 110, 115,000 people. It, this isn't Bill O'Brien losing timeouts because of stupid challenges. Look, they were in, they're in the Chiefs territory. It looks like they're getting close and close to really, you know, putting some major uh points between them and the chiefs and he calls timeout in two situations where I'm, I'm fine with that because they were big points and big possessions. Yeah. The clock ran down, but a lot of that, like you said, it, it's the crowd. The crowd can cause that the one on fourth, when they get to fourth down and he calls a timeout, it looked like there was a little confusion. I, you know, I don't know what happened there. I mean, our, our, we always want to blame this on Bill O'Brien, but Deshaun has this, it, it, I, I always say this, this, this clock management it's on it's, a lot of this is on Bill O'Brien. I get it. Everybody's mad at him. They get angry at Bill O'Brien for this. Well, stuff. No, I don't think that's on O'Brien. I don't think that sequence was on O'Brien at all. But I, I do think it's something that, you know, the, the Texans know going into that game that Arrowhead's going to be loud. I mean, they've already been there before and it does have that reputation. But that's the sort of thing that you have to prepare for, I think, even if you you have to make those adjustments even before the game starts. And certainly, you know, that as they're getting loud, those are the types of things that Watson needs to learn to adjust to. If you're going to be an elite quarterback in this league, how do you fix this defense, Steven? How do you do it? Well, it's going to be tough because, you know, they're not going to have high draft choices. They're going to, they they haven't made real big splash free agents, but they're they're going to have to do something. And I don't know, you know, something makes me wonder, is Romeo Cornell even going to be around next season? Is he going to retire? There Are we going go. to have a totally new defensive coordinator? I, I wonder if that's really the change that needs to happen, yes. whether it's by Cornell himself or by O'Brien yes. saying, okay, that's enough. Yes, it's, you, you just said it. That's the change that needs to – that's what I was trying to lead you into because 
look, you're, you're, you're not going to get an A-plus pass rusher because you don't have a first-round pick. You can still do something. You have a second-round pick, and maybe they can do something in the second round. You're not going to find this guy in, in free agency. So how do you fix this defense? Well, to me, one of the big issues that you've got is you can't get a pass rush. And Romeo has not shown any creativity of getting a pass rush if he doesn't have J.J. Watt out there. And you need a better defensive coordinator. You need somebody that's not going to play prevent defense the entire game and hope somehow you can, you're going to eventually get, make, make, let them get into a mistake. And, and I get it. It's been, it's been a musical chairs. It's in the secondary and, and that kind of thing. But there's enough talent. I mean, I, I've seen enough of Romeo Cornell where I think he is, was, or I think he was a, a great defensive coordinator maybe at one time. I think with the Texans, he's always been a really good defensive coordinator. He's been very solid, but we've seen him misuse guys when, when you had Watt and Clowney and Merciless, and he couldn't figure out how to make all those three guys work together um, at the time that I thought actually Merciless was a really good pass rusher before uh, the injury when he was in his mid-20s. And and I just feel like it, it's time with Romeo. We, we've seen enough. And the only way you're going to make a vast improvement on this defense is get somebody that's a little bit more creative and can figure out a way to get a better pass rush and, and maybe do some things from that angle. I, I just don't like uh, where, where Romeo is at right now. And I, I don't see Romeo as a – he's not a defensive coordinator at this point that can win the Super Bowl. Well, I certainly believe that. And, and it, certainly the game today showed it. It, it just – unbelievable as explosive as that chief offense is i i just can't believe how many possessions they just ran up and down the field really they passed up and down the field they hardly ran the ball i mean that was you know that's the thing that really got me robert is the chiefs had had hardly any rushing yards at all unless of course you count all the the runs that mahomes made but it, it was the pass defense that just absolutely killed the texans and Romeo Cornell, I will say, I think is a good, under normal circumstances, did a reasonable job most of the season in making adjustments in the second half. But, you know, even then there were some games where the defense just totally fell apart like they did today. I just don't see the consistency. And I do think that is on the defensive coordinator. Yes, I know they don't have, you know, premium players. They they kind of took some off the scrap heap who were former first round picks that were supposed to be something and they weren't. But at the same time, you know, these guys did show flashes. I, I just think the scheming is wrong and it's time to make a change. And the only way you do that is to get a different defensive coordinator. I think. Do you feel like the Texans did enough for you this year? I mean, we said, you know, this would be a success. This is a, a jump forward. This is a new Texans. If they get to the AFC championship game, basically there was six teams left in the NFL on Sunday at one point, the Texans were one of those teams. Uh, you could argue that they might've just lost to the, to this future Super Bowl champion. They, they lost to a quarterback. Like I said, I mean, do you agree with me? I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL at this point. Oh, and I absolutely have to agree. And for me, I think it was a successful season in a number of ways, just because I remember before they went to training camp, you remember how pessimistic I was about the Texans, even even if they did make the playoffs, that they'd probably get bounced in the first round again. Looking at their schedule, looking at the question marks at the time, the offensive line was still a question mark. You know, they, this was before the Tunsil trade, obviously. Um, and then all the defensive question marks in the secondary, especially, which definitely came back to haunt them in this playoff game. So 
for me, it was a successful season, but it also told me that the Texans have not figured out how to prepare for a full 60 minutes. And until they figure that out, then this is going to keep happening year after year after year. So it's frustrating in that regard, but 10 and six and getting to the second round of the playoffs, you know, well, yeah, I know we've, we've seen this song and dance before coming into the season. I really didn't think they'd even get this far. What do you think makes the team play 60 minutes? Do you feel like it's just a better defensive coordinator I mean, I feel like, I mean, we talked about it, Deshaun, I mean, he's got to learn how to play 60 minutes and, and, consi- and a consistent 60 minutes and just, you know, consistent from game to game. I mean, that, to me, that, the, the two big things that have to happen, and I know everybody wants, oh, you, it doesn't matter because got, you got Bill O'Brien or whatever. Look, Deshaun is not good enough to win a Super Bowl yet. I don't care. You, can, you guys can love him all you want. And I know he's a great athlete and all that kind of, he's not good enough. This defense is not good enough. Now, it's on Bill O'Brien because Romeo's been his defensive coordinator. He could have gotten rid of him. He could do whatever he wants with Romeo as far as that is concerned. But uh, now he's got full control. So nobody can veto him if he wants to get rid of Romeo. You know, that can change overnight. If that doesn't change overnight, then, you know, then it starts to be on Bill O'Brien because he did change the special teams. And the special teams, despite the screw-ups today, they made two big plays. They've been really they've been one of the best special teams all year. They've been a top five. He did improve that part of the team. He did improve the offensive line when he got player personnel control. He did improve the running game when he got player personnel control. You know, Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than he was last year. You know, the first year the league was trying to figure him out, but he is a better quarterback than he was last year. There's things that Bill O'Brien has gotten better at. The clock management, that, I don't know. He's in denial. I don't know if anything ever changes as far as that. But now it's up to him. He's got to He's got to get rid of Romeo. If not, I think it, that's the point where Bill O'Brien, you got to go, okay, why are you just letting Romeo get a pass? And, and in some of these other situations, you're not giving a pass to. Well, I think it's a combination of things, Robert. Yes, I think the defensive coordinator position is something that needs to be addressed. Yes, Deshaun still has some growing to do, but I still believe that Bill O'Brien, while he has proven that he's can, he can make some great personnel moves and things of that nature, I, I still believe that he either needs to become more consistent in his offensive play calling or get an offensive coordinator that is going to not play to lose. And I, I just feel like when the Texans get a big lead, it just seems to me that it, something changes in the scheme of the offensive play calling where it's almost like they play not to lose. What big leads have they gotten, though? I mean, where, where are these big leads that you're well, talking about? I, big leads, but I, or when they when they have a lead like they did today, they obviously, the, the play calling changed. And, you know, they had the big lead against the Patriots. And, yes, I know the defense had a lot to do with the Patriots coming back. And, you know, if the game had gone on any longer, <laughs> the Patriots might have caught up to them. But... It does seem like the the play calling it just the offense just can't seem to find itself when they do get a big lead or when they're in a position to answer. You know, today's playoff game certainly spelled that out. I, I just think that it, it's a combination of you know Deshaun just needing to grow some more and better coaching, really, both on offense and defense. I don't know if I 
agree that the play calling got bad in this game. I, I honestly, I thought they they really they kept trying to throw the ball early in the second half, and the way that they were going to win this game was ball control and run. And they were running the ball, and they were running it with a great deal of success early in the game. There was a point where they were getting six point eight yards per carry on the ground. I mean, some of that was Deshaun, but Carlos Hyde was moving some piles. Uh, Duke Johnson, I, you know, he needed to. I mean, I've been saying it. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, the, as well as he's running the football, he needs to get the football uh, more often in the running game. I thought that was a missed opportunity. You can blame that one maybe on Bill O'Brien, but I, I the, 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 my only beef was not that they weren't aggressive enough. In this game, this was a game where you needed them to be running the football and trying to ground and pound, and maybe they should have been doing that. I didn't want them to start chucking the ball down the field and trying to get quick touchdowns because you weren't going to quick touchdown the Chiefs into a win. <laughs> no, not in that respect. They didn't. But yeah, it is almost like they were going to start doing what they did in the first game. And they, and they did start out aggressively. I mean, that's why they built the lead. But I don't know. I, I just, to me, the whole puzzle still doesn't fit. You know, what is Tim Kelly's role on this team? Is he going to eventually learn to be an offensive coordinator? Or is he just going to be a sounding board for Bill O'Brien when he does when he calls the plays? I, I, I just feel like there's still a disconnect here somewhere that that needs to be straightened out for this offense to be more consistent. Yeah, a lot of these coaches though they don't want to give up the reins. A Kyle Shanahan, no, they don't. Kyle they Shanahan don't. probably you know he's got it with the 49ers. He's not going to give up the reins. Andy Reid doesn't give up the reins. If if that's your calling card, it's hard. We. We we think this is just Bill O'Brien, but this is a lot of these guys. Now, is EC in the class of Andy Reid and Shanahan? No. But I also think that uh, there's some other things that the Texans can do better. Would I like to see them get a better offensive coordinator or, or, or give the reins over to an offensive coordinator a little bit more so he can you know, maybe manage games a little bit better and do those things? Yeah, is he going to do it ever? No, I mean we probably not. We, we can talk ourselves <laughs> into it. Into it, we can try to talk ourselves into it, Steve. But it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. It's like you know, you asked me what I want for Christmas. You, you didn't give me any boundaries. If you ask me that, I'll say, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe uh, I'd like to have a new house. Um, I'd like to have a million dollars. It doesn't mean I'm going to get it, but I sure kind of wish for it. Um, I, I think that's where the Texans are in this case. And look, I I, I think all in all. The, the Texans, they, they, they had a great season to some extent, but there are still a lot of question marks going into the offseason. And these are sort of the things that some of the things we're going to be exploring, certainly over the next few months, is what is this team going to do to take that next step forward where they can get out of the second round, get into an AFC championship game and possibly get into the Super Bowl. And I just think that, you know, it always starts at the top and kind of works its way down. Bill O'Brien has made some great personnel moves. But can he prove over the long haul that he can be a quote-unquote de facto GM and do it successfully? Maybe, maybe not. By this time next year, we may be criticizing him on some other moves he's made between now and then and say it's time to give it up. But as you said, the way things are is probably the way things are going to continue to be as long as he's the head coach of the Houston Texans. And we said, how does this defense get better? It doesn't get better if DJ Reader walks in free agency and, and, and he's going to test the market. And you, you wonder how much they're, they're, they're going to be willing to give him. I mean, I, I love DJ Reader, and I know he, he does his things to affect the defense, but this defense is not good. And, you know, DJ Reader doesn't do enough for this defense to go, okay, I'm going to give him uh, a huge amount of money because – He's really good at the nose tackle position for these guys. 
But if you lose DJ Reader, you're you're likely going to be worse unless unless you get another defensive coordinator because you're not going to find guys in the second, third, and fourth round to easily replace DJ Reader and get somebody else to get you even better at, at that. And and so I mean that's the question mark. And and somewhere, and I don't think you know to me they need to be drafting defense you know in this draft all through the mid rounds. But you you you've got to figure out a way to get a receiver that can help you out when Will Fuller is not on the field. And that's the other big offseason concern. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And you have to think going in, all right, if if Kiki QT is not your answer, uh, DeAndre Carter certainly isn't your answer at the wide receiver position, then what are you going to do to address that? Because let, let's face it, how many times, I've, I've lost count of how many times this season that we talked about the Texans, if Will Fuller could just be in the game, if Will Fuller plays, if Will Fuller goes out of the game, the offense just isn't the same. Look, the, the Texans just need to have to learn to play with or without Will Fuller, even if it means getting another receiver that can be reliable, that, that can be consistent, and that can stay on the field. Because as much potential as Will Fuller has, you, you can't – potential means nothing if you're sitting on the sidelines or in the training room, and that's where Will Fuller has been most of the time that he's been with the Texans, with the exception of – a few games here, a few games there, but he hasn't shown that he can play an entire season. So wide receiver, believe it or not. I mean, it was a question coming into this year too, and it still is because Kiki QT is not your answer, obviously. Bill O'Brien doesn't seem to think so because he's hardly played the last few weeks of the season. So yeah, that's another question, Mark, that you've, you've got to round out the receiver position in order to make the offense more consistent. The other thing is, I mean, the Texans, it's not going to get easy next year. It's not going to get easy at all because, yeah, you you got another, again, it's a first-place schedule. It's going to be a difficult schedule. I looked at it. It's no fun. You're going to play this Chiefs team again next year because you have a first-place schedule. Uh, it, it, this, this next year, you know, it, it's going to be another difficult year as far as the schedule is concerned. So I don't know, Stephen, it's, you know, 10 and six, you know, you might think, well, they got to do better next year to show improvement. Well, 10, you might be a better team next year and still be 10 and six. Well, that's very true. And and I don't know, you know, here's the thing about the schedule, you know, first of all, what looks tough, even at the beginning of the season, even after you've had the draft and you've had free agency, too many things can happen during the season that could cause some teams to turn the other way. So I'm not so much concerned about the schedule as I am the fact that this, you know, the Texans are in a difficult position. It's one thing to turn a team around when you're say four and 12 and you go 10 and six or 11 and five and make the playoffs, you know, something like that. It's a whole lot more difficult when you're 11 and five, like you were last year. And then you're 10 and six this year, you do get to the second round of the playoffs, but taking that next step next year, and going 11-5, 12-4, 13-3, and getting to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, that's where it becomes, I think, even harder than if you were, say, 4-12, and 12, like they were, and then turned it around to 11-5. and 5. Anything else? You got other thoughts on the Texans before we close it out? Well, I'm just disappointed because I sure did want that AFC matchup between the Houston Texans and the former Houston Oilers. I, I don't know how long it's going to take me to get over that snub of, of that not happening, but, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be weird going into next week. And, you know, the Texans have been playing every week since August, if you count the preseason. So 
you know, now the, the questions will abound. I mean, we'll spend plenty of podcasts over the next few weeks, few months, I guess, hashing and rehashing what the Texans should and shouldn't do in order to get better next year. So I, I guess we just need to brace ourselves because, you know, the O'Brien haters are going to come out as they always do, especially after a game like this. Yeah. And just to remind people, if you haven't looked at the schedule for next year, you're going to be at Kansas City. You're going to be at Pittsburgh and Roethlisberger, I assume, is going to be back by next year and, and, and ready to go. And, and they're a really good team, even without Roethlisberger because of that defense and their own what. And then you've got uh, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers and, and the Central with the Vikings as well. Uh, the Vikings, you know, I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. So, you know, those are some of the ones that you're looking at. Those are some of the, the bigger games if you look on the schedule next year along with the AFC South. And it looks like, you know, if I assume, Tan, well, maybe Tannehill, they still got to sign him, right? He's a free agent. <laughs> well, that's right. They they still have to sign him. But I think, you know, especially if the Titans get to the Super Bowl, you know, if they beat Kansas City, or even win the Super Bowl, I think the Titans are going to pull out all the stops to sign him because he has clearly been the difference in reviving that team. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough schedule. You know, a lot of great quarterbacks. But, of course, you know, we said that coming into this season, how many great quarterbacks the Texans were going to face. And we even threw Brady into that mix. And you saw what happened. So, you know, it's it's while it's it's early to to look at these kind of projections, it is kind of interesting to see. Okay, so who are they playing next year? And there are some perennial powers that the Texans are probably going to have trouble with. And they host Brady next year, or maybe not. I don't know if he's maybe not, be... depending on where he goes. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's what you got. The Texans uh, fall fifty-one thirty-one. The season ends. Yeah, it was twenty-four to nothing, and everybody's just you know. I know it's oh they blew it and they screwed it up, and this is one of the worst comebacks in history, and yada yada yada. But I, I'm big picture wise, I don't think it's as like major as everybody is going to look at it because Kansas City can do this. The Texans defense can give up a lot of points. I mean, they were a 10-point underdog in this game for a reason. They look like a far worse team for a reason, not just on defense, but on offense and to a degree on special teams, which, you know, that that was something that you thought maybe they could win the game there, but they ended up, you know, kind of sort of semi-losing uh, the game, even though they made a couple of plays and they did get 14 points from their special teams in this game, but... Uh, yeah, Tex the Texans go home. We'll get back to the Rockets. We haven't forgotten about them, but we've been really concentrating on the Texans the last couple of weeks, but we're going to talk some Rockets here pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. And if you're a fan of this show, do us a favor. We always say tell your friends, but the best way to do it is just share our links on social media. If you like what we're doing, if you like you know the show at all, uh, put, this, uh, put this one out on your social media feed, whether it's, you know, Facebook or what I mean however Twitter whatever you do it sh share it let people know that uh, it's a good show if you can and uh, we'd, we'd appreciate it we'll talk to you again later this week you're listening to Houston Sports Talk don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter subscribe to us on iTunes Spotify the Google Podcast app or the Stitcher app you can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Attack!